0: Listening to Love in the Time of Chasmosaurs, the podcast, the audio supplement to our blog of the same name about the science, art, and popular culture of Mesozoic life. I'm Nati. I'm Mark and i 'm Niels and after an intermission of several months we 're back for episode twenty five a prehistoric Planet Two special where once again in place of our vintage dinosaur art slot, we will be discussing the second series of the critically acclaimed documentary produced by the BBC Studios Natural History Unit, which aired last month and is still available to stream on Apple TV plus in accompaniment to which we welcome the return of artist Gabriel Ughetto, who can now happily talk about his work in providing the designs for some of the key animals featured in the series. But first, Niels, uh, it seems to have turned out that the coming of Philociraptor has been foretold in the fossil record after all.
1: Yes, it was inevitable, wasn't it? But yeah, we uh, we took a little break, and now we're back, so uh, we're just going to carry on as if nothing's ever happened.
2: Nothing did happen, Nils. Um, what are you talking about? Nothing, nothing happened.
1: No. Anyway, uh, as you were. <laughs> time is meaningless. Um, Shri, Shri Devi, is a uh, dromaeosaur from the Barun Goyot formation in Mongolia, um, late Cretaceous, originally found in the 90s. It was initially considered a specimen of velociraptor but uh, assigned its own genus in 2021 and uh, this is considered the closest relative to velociraptor but it lived a little while later Um, fun fact this is going to be important later the team that initially found the specimen nicknamed it ichabod crane because it was headless Oh, that was the one. Which makes no sense because Ichabod Crane wasn't the headless no, horseman. No, he wasn't
0: him. It was the Hessian. <laughs>
1: yeah, and Frankenstein isn't the monster. Um, but they mm. found it in the 90s. Um, it was headless, uh, but it is headless no more. A new paper by, I have to get this name right, uh, Vukasz Chepinski in Acta Paleontologica Polonica, which is uh, open access. Yay.
2: Oh yeah. yay, yay. Sorry, I was, I was Sorry. It, it, it's the atmosphere. It's very humid today.
3: Yeah, yeah it is. Yay, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a new paper by Wukasz Czepinski in Acta Paleontologica Polonica, open access. Yeah.
2: See him on the ball now.
1: Yep. Describes a skull um, found in the 1970s, actually, during the Polish expeditions into the Gobi Desert. Uh, Much like the holotype, this one was also thought to be a Velociraptor until now. This means that we can now give Sri Devi, named uh, incidentally after a Buddhist goddess, its head. As you might imagine, it is uh, quite similar to Velociraptor in all but the most subtle details. Its snout is notably shorter, making it look a little bit more like North American dromaeosaurs, such as Dromaeosaurus proper. There could be some uh, convergent evolution going on here. Uh, compared to Velociraptor, Sri lived in a slightly less dry, slightly less deserty climate, which might suggest that a longer or shorter snout evolved as a response to changes in the environment. Uh tentative hypothesis is that a more elongated snout, like what Velociraptor has, helps the animal better thermoregulate or retain moisture. Mm. Now, the uh, specimen consists of a hand as well as a skull. The hand seems to be uh, pensively stroking the chin, reminding one rather of the old Philociraptor meme, which was a thing, uh, gosh, 10 years ago. Don't you feel old now? Which has now resurfaced, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, Reflected further, I must say, in the official artwork by Jakub Tsalievsky. Uh, You can find the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Thank you so much, Niels. Will do. Mark, uh, not quite
0: foretold perhaps, but certainly longed for? A new armoured dinosaur from the British
2: Isles. Yeah, it's from the Isle of Wight. Of course, I have to report everything, well, as much as I can from the Isle of Wight, because I love the Isle of Wight, as you know. Um, Anyway, we have Vectipelta baratii, named after a certain paleontologist named Barrett, who you've probably heard of. Um, A new ankylosaurian dinosaur from the lower Cretaceous-Wessex formation of the Isle of Wight by Pond et al., published in the Journal of Systematic Paleontology earlier this month, and I'm speaking in June, just in case we go out late
1: um june 2023 for people who are listening in the future
2: yes yeah, hello future people I hope it's not all got terribly worse but it has though anyway the specimen described here isn't actually a recent find because it was unearthed on two separate occasions in 1993 and 94 um, and there are additional non-overlapping part specimens in other collections that probably belong to the same animal but obviously now they're in different collections and it's basically impossible to say but here we're dealing with what are actually effectively sort of two specimens it's housed in the dinosaur museum on the isle of wight and it has two specimen numbers but in this case the authors and we should probably treat it as a single specimen it's all one individual um and yeah it consists of a partial skeleton containing cervical dorsal sacral and caudal vertebrae fragmentary girdle elements, and numerous osteoderms okay um
1: i mean in terms of isle of white dinosaurs it's quite a lot yes it is
2: it is yes it's not by any means, the most complete dinosaur, but it's quite sort of typical, I suppose, what you find over there. Um, is there more of this than serratus sucops and, and the like? Probably. Anyway, <laughs> figure three in this paper is very lovely at showing all the known elements really well, very clearly. And there's a life reconstruction of the complete skeleton, what it probably looked like. Although caveat is, of course, the osteoderms weren't found in life positions, so they can take you know, their best guess. A very well educated guests i'm sure but they don't actually know exactly where they went um nevertheless the story about this is it was basically labeled polar originally or just probably polar canthus um yeah which is part of the long history of throwing dinosaurs into great
1: big taxonomic skips which see also the previous segment
2: yes <laughs> Well, I guess so, although more so in this case, um, and it particularly has happened on the Isle of Wight. The authors note that on the Isle of Wight, this happened with Iguanodonts, with all the gracile Iguanodonts being referred to as Mantellosaurus and all the bigger ones being Iguanodon. But that tendency probably, in that case as well, underplays the diversity of the animals that were living on the island at that time.
1: Yeah, uh, there's, like a, there's like a dozen of them now, right?
2: There are, yeah, there is. It's, like, it's got silly now. <laughs> How are we supposed to remember them all? All these dinosaurs. But um, the other thing, of course, about Vector Pelter is it's actually older than um, possibly by as much as 8 million years. Wow. Um, and the authors, obviously, having very, very thoroughly analyzed the thing uh, through various techniques, have determined that it might not actually be that closely related at all. They mentioned two Chinese t- taxa, which I should probably attempt to pronounce, but it might go horribly wrong. Uh, Zixiangasaurus and uh, Dongyanga Pelter. Uh, I may have mangled those. Apologize if so. They are from an Albion-Aptian formation in China. But yeah, their taxonomic analysis suggests a close relationship with Vectipelta, which is weird because normally European, the European fauna of that time is similar to the North American fauna rather than Asian fauna. Right. There is evidence of a land bridge between Europe and Asia at that time, so it's entirely possible. Um, but also that the relatively few synapomorphies they share um, may have an overwhelming effect on their topological placement. So, um, basically, more research needed, as usual. As, as usual. usual, yeah. Nevertheless, the authors are very confident based on numerous characteristics that the thing wasn't Um and so note that historical practices of considering all ankylosaur material from the Isle of Wight to Polycanthus have hidden a greater diversity of ankylosaurs than was hitherto realized, and should cease in favour of tapomorphy based appraisals of newly found material. In other words, stop calling everything Polycanthus if you find it on Isle of Wight it looks like an ankylosaur, because it, it might ain't. not be. We might be greatly <laughs> downplaying playing the diversity. So it might, well, it might be, um, but then again, it might not be. Every theropod
1: no. is Megalosaurus. Uh, naturally. <laughs> yes, Niels, that's a, that's, a, that's a very historic example.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, and finally, to kill several birds with one stone for my news item, I will be reading extracts, with his permission, from an article for the New York Times by our very own Kasmusor's contributor emeritus, Asha Elbein. But before I do that, I want to ask you both whether you recall Duria Antiquio, the 1830 lithograph by Henry de la Biche.
1: Yes, I do. You do. Excellent. I think I do.
2: Yes, is that the one where the... um. Icthyosaur is biting of Rhesosaur. Exactly. The very one. He I made
1: think. it as a favor to Mary Anning, as I recall. Exactly. The very one. Subtitled A
0: More Ancient Dorset, the illustration shows a scene of marine and flying reptiles. But as you've already said, the most resting part of the image is the ichthyosaur chomping down on a plesiosaur's neck. It seems like such a logical conclusion to draw for a hunting method, does it not? And many artists have depicted it since. But have we ever had any fossil evidence for such a thing? We do now. Almost two centuries have passed without direct evidence of the neck biting the labiche imagined, writes Usher. But recent research published in the journal Current Biology has provided gory and extremely rare evidence that predators saw the lengthy outstretched necks of reptiles swimming around prehistoric seas as an irresistible target. The victim was Tanistrophius, whose neck Uh is completely unique in the fossil record, said Stefan Speakman, a paleontologist with the State Museum of Natural History in Stuttgart, Germany, and an author on the study. The structure, which made up half the animal's body, was constructed from 13 bizarrely elongated and interlocking vertebrae, creating a neck as stiff as a fishing rod. Dr. Speakman's doctoral research revealed that two separate species of Tanistrophius, one small and another almost 20 feet long, lived in the shallow lagoons of the Triassic Alps, most likely hunting fish from perches on the sea floor. In the course of that research, Dr. Speakman studied a pair of specimens from both species, each composed solely of a head and neck. In both animals, the neck is broken in the back half. Uh-huh. Dr. Speakman shared the specimens with Dr. Udayal Mujal, a paleontologist who specializes in analyzing predator-prey interactions in fossils, particularly bite marks on bones, and they concluded that the necks had been bitten apart. The bone was broken when it was still fresh, Dr. Mujal said, and most likely while the animal was still alive. The likely culprit was either a large nodosaur, seal-like ancestors of plesiosaurs, or one of two large predatory ichthyosaurs. The smaller Tanistrophius may have been attacked by a smaller marine reptile or a large fish. In his article, Archer concludes that Tanistrophius is the only marine reptile known to suffer such unceremonious decapitation. The long necks of plesiosaurs are made up of many bulky vertebrae, all buried in muscle and blubber, as Dr. Mujal said. So, while they may also have gotten it in the neck, a very thick layer of flesh and skin means that predators might not have left any marks on the vertebrae. But, all that said, Henry de La Biche and others... Are very probably right. The paper by Speakman and Mujal is published by Current Biology and is open access.
1: Yay! Uh, yay.
2: Yeah. It's incredible to me that tiny strophius evolved in the first place and that, never mind the fact that it thrived and there were multiple described species of it. Exactly. I mean, this just,
0: it is it's, ridiculous looking.
2: A very silly yeah. animal. And yeah, that neck is a very obvious target for a predator. You just think how how did this thing how did it happen? How did that thing live for millions of years, but apparently it did.
1: Especially since, as it turns out, it's such a it's such a target, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, uh, on that point, actually, about the neck being uh, such an easy target and why it persisted, um, Arsha writes that even if the long neck was a weak spot for predators, the researchers note, it was clearly a remarkably successful evolutionary strategy. Uh, Many different groups of fish-eating marine reptiles independently evolved elongated necks for over 175 million years. So even Tanistrophius' family proved a success story spreading across Triassic shorelines from modern Europe to China and lasting 10 million years. In essence, it's a game of trade-offs, as Dr. Speakman said. Uh, In the long run, the risk of having a long neck was worth it for this animal.
2: Yeah, there were clearly ecological advantages for that that offset any um, chance of being chomped. (laughs) There you go. And now,
0: prehistoric planet 2. Do we require a special jingle for this one, Niels, do you think? Uh prehistoric. prehistoric Planet Planet two.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> almost no, a perfect no, US.
2: <laughs> almost. You can also tune me if you like. I have you You have also tuned, right? I
1: have I have used it on you in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. Anyway.
0: A year after the first series already. Of the highly acclaimed documentary, executive produced by John Favreau and Mike Gunton and narrated by Sir David Attenborough, we were treated to an equally triumphant follow-up. Talk about famine and feast, huh? So, where would we
2: like to start?
1: Yeah, I think we can say safely that it was a bit good, wasn't it? It was. It was just a bit.
2: Yes, very good. Um, There were, I don't know, a few things this time. I mean, obviously I'm just being, I'm getting spoiled now. Course, I mean, I now, hang, hang first... on.
1: Are you going to start with criticism? No, no. Because we should do this. Let's
2: let's get that out of the way. Um, no, I did, let's, I let's, watching...
1: let's, let's do it as a sandwich, right? Let's start with some good stuff and then put all the criticism in the middle. There's, there's too much good stuff, though. I'd, I'd
2: rather just get the minor criticism out of the way and then just move on to gushing. Um, no. I mean, Fine, <laughs> yeah, any criticism I have of it is incredibly minor and probably very personal to me, you know, rather than anything particularly wrong with the program itself. I mean, the first episode didn't draw me in as much as perhaps anything did in the first series in that it felt a little bit same again. We had um, terrestrially stalking pterosaurs and there was a moment where the um, Hatagopteryx were engaging in some kind of mating display and the music was um, swelling and it all seemed a bit over the top. And I thought, what what am I doing in my life watching two CGI pterosaurs about to, (laughs) to, about to do it, about to do the deed. Um, But, but, it, obviously, it was all gorgeous. And then the second episode immediately drew me back in again. I was like, oh, yes, this, this is why I'm, I'm watching this. This is fantastic. Um, absolutely yeah, loved everything about that episode, um, all the, the inventive storytelling, the setting, um, the just everything about the appearance and animation of the animals, especially the sauropods. And as I've said before, I really think this show does sauropods better than anything else that I've seen. Yeah, um, I wanted
1: to flag up the sauropods, actually, because absolutely. compared to series one... I felt that there was much more sauropods in this one. Which is only a good thing, of course. Which is a great thing. Yeah, more sauropods. Um, of course, the
2: sequence with the volcano. Um,
1: Take a shot, it's a background volcano. Isn't oh, that just extraordinary?
2: Well, like a
0: foreground Goodness,
1: volcano.
2: It's beautiful. <laughs> That's
1: the whole sequence.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Isisaurus, the Isisaurus, Isisaurus, yeah. Yes. Yes. And the little sauropod lit- that fell into the molten mud and inevitably died. Um, I don't care what people say online, and it died. Sorry. <laughs> and then you had, uh, you had that um, Rajasaurus coming in and chomping it, and that, that was the that whole sequence was fantastic. i am going to say fantastic a lot. Um, yeah,
0: that was we a great are, We are going to say fantastic a lot. I do completely agree with you, Mark, well, even though I have probably the least, um, if any at all, criticism of the entire series. I do agree that um, in the first episode, it felt a little more like uh, trying to lay trying to ease us back in almost because um, uh, in spite of everything, there was a peculiar sense of not quite there somehow in the first episode. But um, as soon as the second one began, it, it the whole immersive nature of, of the series just came came back and um, drew us right back in.
1: Yeah, because um, if you remember the first series, that one starts all guns blazing with that swimming T-Rex, right? Yes. Yes. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It opened.
1: Yeah. What was the first sequence in the first episode uh, of this one? Struggling to remember. The very first <laughs> it was <Zelmoxies. laughs> um,
0: It was the the little Selmoxys yes, on the floating, rafting. Yeah. Yeah. The floating rafts of vegetation. I suppose.
2: And um, I suppose there, there are some nice bookends in that you had Selmoxys being snapped up by Haticopteryx, and then you start this one with the same sort of fauna and location. So some nice book ending there I suppose but it did feel a bit yeah
1: because that's that's how the first series ended with Salmoxies and Hatsikopteryx exactly
2: I said it did feel a little bit same again particularly in the setting and so on but then all of that was dispelled in the second episode and I was completely sucked back into it
1: yes We, we were flagging up the sauropods one thing that really struck me about the sauropods was how how not just how big and bulky they were but kind of corpulent and and fat and a bit flabby So You you know how some artists make sauropods kind of lean and uh, and elegant? And in this series, I felt like, oh, the sauropods here, they're kind of gnarly.
2: Yeah, they definitely erred on the conservative side, especially when compared with, still, when compared with the inflating neck sacks in the first season. We didn't really have anything like that here. They were definitely a lot more conservative in that respect. There were some... Very minor little details that were off, like the alamosaurs had thumb claws, which people have pointed out. But I don't, I just didn't care. No, <laughs> like, they look so with good you. apart from that. I just don't care
0: completely. i agree <laughs> like, with you there. I don't like, do I don't... stuff. Those tiny things are so immaterial to me. And even as I was saying... uh, Yeah, it's hard to be bothered by that sort of thing. I'm sorry to bring us back to episode one, but I just want to to say that in spite of the fact that it did feel slightly more disjointed, um, there were some beautiful sequences there and great sequence with the Majungasaurus and uh, the Simasuchus, for example,
1: which I believe is the the star animal of the episode. Um, Absolutely. Yeah it is yeah. and It's like mononychus was in the first season it's cymosuchus now
2: exactly And I, I really like the fact they include it because it highlights it highlights the diversity in extinct morphs. yes um, exactly it's something unexpected
0: these were some of the things that i believe uh audiences from uh, after seeing the first series uh were asking for that they would like to see more dun- non-dinosaurian animals and uh and *Cymicerus* and *Adelatherium* were, were two such wonderful examples. The *Adelatherium*, by the way, how on earth did they manage to to create the newborns? Because they were so startlingly lifelike. I don't believe those were CG at all. Mm. Somebody, uh, I yes, think several people suggested that um, that they might have used real. Uh, Rodent babies, uh, which were filmed with with puppet mothers.
1: I mean, this is going to come up in the interview, and uh, of course, uh, Gabriel, uh, spoiler alert, uh, keeps keeps stoom about it. But oh yes, he does. You know, in a fairly meaningful way, I think.
2: <laughs> the, as with the first series, the CG is so good that it's virtually impossible to tell what's a CG and then up close what's a practical effect. Um, yeah it's the same together. with
1: those fish in the, in the first season sometimes you felt that that surely that's a real fish
2: it's because the animation is so spot on a lot of the time and, and that's exactly the reason one of the principal reasons why i didn't mind any kind of minor details wrong on or like exactly. that. exactly they just looked completely convincing real. um and of course yes. like 99 percent of it was accurate according to my understanding you know give or take your personal idiosyncratic views on it but um but they, they yes. the animation is so good and the animation on the uh, any kind of big dinosaur—it's so hard to do because we just have no frame of reference, really, for anything that size walking That's around on right. land. I yeah. mean, yeah. they said much the same thing when they were making Jurassic Park back in sorry, sorry, back in the day. Like I remember the animator saying, "Well, where's our reference for this like seven-ton bipedal animal?" But the way the prehistoric planet animators managed all their big theropods, including T Rex, was fantastic. um The T Rex for me was just completely believable character and that included the moment where it was seen off a carcass by two quetzalcoatlus um that, <laughs> uh,
1: that that yeah I'm, sure, surely that is we, we need to talk about this because <laughs> surely that is the most controversial moment of the entire season i of, really
2: don't on, understand why where t-rex takes
1: on two quetzalcoatlus and loses
2: it doesn't Your, lose it just backs down it backs down it's no, also kind yeah. of Jurassic Fight Club crap. It's just... No, these exactly. Two get sort of to, like, it's, it sounds its ground against one, but then two appear, they're too big and intimidating, so it just sort of slinks off and then waits for them to finish and then comes back. But it's not worth having yeah, but- It's eye-jabbed <laughs> out by a giant beak.
0: <laughs> no, but you, but you know that once there is a, a Tyrannosaur, um, you know people are going to throw up their hands at, at this. And yeah, it was entirely predictable, um, the reaction. You know, it's, it's not worth arguing about.
2: Nothing, <laughs> it? It, the, the behavior there is like they behave like plausible animals i mean that's what people exactly. don't like like the t-rex just doesn't want to go for a fight if it can avoid it um if it thinks it's going to get injured you know it wants to it's going to try to avoid injury because that's what animals do most of the time they're not just like awesome bro killing machines <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although in this one we do finally get a t-rex taking down another large dinosaur with the in the forest and i was getting to
1: that because this is really clever right because the season shows them both hunting and scavenging because they scavenge that sauropod in the in the in the scene we just mentioned but we also see them hunting in an incredible scene probably the best scene of the entire show
2: Ooh, i mean it it was for me but i'm a huge (laughs) t-rex like freak (laughs) <laughs> um, so for me it was like finally they've done it because that, that's the one thing i really wanted to see in the first series i thought it's great that t-rex keeps going back i love the t-rex model i love all the behaviors they put in the animation it's all spot on but then i thought just just missing a hunting scene i just want to see their t-rex hunting something and the way they would do that because i really want to see it because like, i know it'd be so good and then when it came along it was really good
1: um yeah, and the way they did, way great they did it it's almost like an anti-Jurassic Park, right? Because they move so silently and deliberately and their attack is yeah. so coordinated and so intelligent.
2: Although the Jurassic Park T-Rex could move silently when it wanted to, when it was convenient for the plot. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's irrelevant. Um, yes, this is quiet, stealthy, not roaring all the time. Um, Do you notice the sound design? When it did bellow, it sounded a lot like an alligator, like a really amped-up alligator rather than a you know, a bajillion lions, whatever Darren Nation said once. It's so typical, you know, it sounds like a lion, but here yeah. it sounded like a sounded reptilian.
1: There were parallels um, between the T-Rex hunting scene and the Tarbosaurus hunting scene in the canyon that we mentioned before, because the Tyrannosaurs were using panic and fear to their advantage. Yes, that's yes,
2: right. I can imagine, and I've said this before, but I can imagine there being some controversy over whether they could have coordinated in that way, whether they sort of had the behavioural complexity to do so or, or, the, or the capability. Mm. But I think there's no real way of knowing at the moment. And to me at least it seems plausible. I'm sure that obviously the consultants so for the too. show would argue much the same.
1: So what um, I'm kind of wondering yeah. if is is there a parallel for that sort of behavior in uh, in the current animal world?
2: Um what animals
1: <laughs> using panic to their advantage, driving their prey almost into the hands of, of either their partner or just driving them to crush themselves in a I canyon. mean,
2: well about the Canyon thing, I'm not sure but the, the, with the other one with driving them into a panic. I mean, obviously there are mammals that do that. I'm trying to think of uh, other animals. I'm sure there are birds as well.
0: Well, Darren has written reams about the, uh, about the, the, the why's and wherefores behind this series actually on Twitter. So, um, I, I, unfortunately haven't been able to, to read all of them up, um, which I should have done, I suppose, um, in preparation for this episode. But but they're there. They're there for us all to if we wanted to. And um, I think we should probably include a link to that um, in the show notes.
2: Uh, I guess the fact is that reptiles do have... People have often assumed that they're stupid and they don't have exhibit complex behaviors, but, but just because they haven't really bothered to study them at all. And, then, then... and
1: they, they were T-Rex brothers, right? So the implication is they've done this millions of times.
2: Yes, yeah, I like, I like the little interactions between them as well. Like One of them nudging the other one to make it get up. Come <laughs> on. Nice comic. Yeah. Act to work.
1: Comic touch. Back to being a T Rex.
2: Yeah. With the Dromiosaurs as well, they had some coordinated, sort of semi coordinated, well, actually, in some cases, very coordinated hunting behavior. It wasn't completely implausible. I know. So there's been some pushback against that. I suppose the. Um, the pushback really was against the assumption that they were necessarily pack hunters, just because a few deinonychus have been found around the Tenontosaurus uh, or bits of them. And it was like, well, they're pack hunters. Well, there are there could be some quite a few interpretations of that. About, uh, people that, basically like, there have been cautions in the past against jumping to conclusions. This isn't really the same as that. It's not really the same old. Um, I mean, for a start, we weren't dealing with Deinonychus at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but also the way they got around it is, uh, in this season at least, you see two uh, velociraptors take down a brainocerophily, right? But yes, it's made explicit they're a family, they're a mated pair, and they do this together because they have a, a nest together.
0: Family. Yeah. Rambly. Rambly. That was that was Rambly. a really good sequence actually, and one that, that genuinely startled me because I did not expect that to happen when the Velociraptor just knocked Prince off the cliff edge. Um I yeah, my jaw actually just <laughs>
2: actually that is one thing I did enjoy about this series more predation scenes yay more blinds although that brings me to um and I'm, I'm one of these people I'm afraid oh the uh, blood the thing. blood <laughs> oh yes the absence because, of blood. well I only really noticed it though I only really noticed it in the oceans episode that's when it only really occurred to me so like these animals are chomping one another quite violently and there's just not very much in the way of blood going into the into the water like you'd expect to see and it's like that's sort of bothered me uh, minute there but you it such a bit gorehound clean by. <laughs> yeah i'd I, like well i, I don't expect you know evil death <laughs> but it does just detract from the realism ever so slightly the these things it does then make it seem I, a bit clean you think mm, and mm, it just sort of pulls you out of it a little bit but very very minor I thing do again take your um, point. i did enjoy yes, those more predation there, actually even though i season.
0: didn't notice it at the time until you pointed it out um so yeah Sorry. No, 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 it's it's perfectly valid, but but really, to me, that just says how good. <laughs> I'm such a fan. <laughs> it says to me how good it is that that those minor things just escape me completely, or, or when I am reminded of them, they become immaterial. Um, there we are. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'm just, I'm just one of those people. To be clear, I also very much like it. I don't I, anything minor here, please, don't, please don't hurt me. <laughs> um, Jon Favreau
1: can destroy. Whilst, whilst, he's friends with
2: sure. iron man i also want to talk about um extra oral facial um you know integument because obviously most all of the theropods have lips in this so yeah. fine good um most of the ornithischians have pseudo yes i wanted um, to except, except the for pachycephalosaurus. pachycephalosaurus yeah i wanted
0: to bring that up too that's a good point now, why, why is, is that? that indeed i think at least one reason is is owing to the fact that obviously there are different designers working on um on the the designs for the animals but um i guess it's one way of showing two uh possibilities for this ongoing debate that uh whether yeah, whether i guess so. existed or not yeah so
2: um I, I just remembered suddenly have we talked about the grumpy and oh yeah in the past that was a great scene in mongolia yeah
0: it's wonderful
2: that was great too just belligerent herbivores I, I, I like scenes featuring belligerent herbivores as well because i don't think we get enough of that in meat in sort of pal- popular paleo media in general i really enjoy it
0: yes and the triceratops were pretty bullish themselves although i suppose i suppose we kind of expect that uh that that, that yeah. has become preva- prevalent in itself yeah. uh throughout paleo uh, paleo yeah history. it's a bit of a meme yeah. where, like I, well, I hesitated to say meme but yeah they're like yes. rhinos but speaking of them though uh, there is There is a beautiful scene with there's a a trio of triceratops standing on the riverbank, and it is gorgeous. You only see a very short moment of it, but it's gorgeous for the fact that the individual variation is so evident uh, throughout the three of them. They
1: all look so different.
0: Yes. I mean, they, <laughs> we know they're the same uh, species of mm. animal, but they are so different, each of them. Um, and not just in the coloration, but the subtle, very subtle differences in frill shape as well. Um, things like that, again, to me, are just just so wonderful. It's, you know, and yeah, it can sometimes it's like that sequence. It's just a very short moment from just passing through with the camera panning, uh, uh, pass, pass it. Um, but um, but those just make make up uh, the magic
1: of the series yes. for me. I also wanted to bring up the Ammonites. Oh, yes. I oh, yeah, love it all, the it. all the Ammonites. <laughs> Where so. else are you going to see this amount of just variation in Ammonites? They can be shaped in so many different ways. And, you know, there, there really is, even among, you know, the rank and file paleo fan, there isn't a lot of awareness of this, of of how just how variable ammonites can be. So yes. that was a fantastic touch.
2: It was Yeah, I agree. It was really nice to see that. I, I thought it's actually my favourite part even of that episode. I mean, yeah, you had big mosasaurs, but we again kind of had that before. I know interesting bit of um behaviour that they explained in the making of bit afterwards. We about you know, the Mosasaur propelling itself extreme speed and all that and the evidence behind that. That was that was intriguing, but nevertheless, I'm... Yeah, we've kind of seen the giant mosasaurs. I did, but the Ammonites diversity, um, you know, all the different forms of Ammonites showing up on screen and different sizes. Yeah, the giant of course I the baby ones. Um can never remember the generic name. Some of the baby creatures in the show really seem like they, they're they made for, to be made into plushies or like little toys. I'm surprised I haven't got any merchandise for this yet. Well, <laughs>
1: yeah, the baby <laughs> Velociraptors sure. as well. I'm maybe
0: I'm the good good <laughs> a, a considerable number of independent artists have been making... What amounts to unofficial merchandise because they've been making uh, models based on the designs from Prehistoric Planet. Um, so even if there isn't. Um, yeah, oh, well, so yes, there works. you go. <laughs> so I'm sure if you knew the right person to ask, you could have your own little uh, Prehistoric Planet yes. ammonite. Well, that would be lovely. It is a lovely sequence, in spite of its being perhaps less arresting, maybe for, for those of us uh, who are fonder of the terrestrial uh, animals um to put it delicately me <laughs> yes <laughs> but oh, yes you i'll have you mess. know i love that episode, episode. <laughs> no i d- i loved it too i think it was just a wonderful <laughs> bit of punctuation actually um from from the rest of the series there was a peculiarly calming aspect to it um, in spite of the predation and, and everything else happening and and a great bit of pathos actually when when one of the ammonites and forgive me because i don 't remember its name because I am one of those people um, less invested in marine creatures. My apologies but um, the the moment when it part of it 's been bitten off essentially and it's it 's falling towards the seafloor. and you know this ammonite without a single flicker of a change in his expression was able to elicit so much empathy from me, at least, just as it fell. That was that was an inspired so bit, it, of, isn't well, it? Where
2: the mosasaur punctures it? Yeah, the so globidens. The, the globidens yeah, it. punctures its shell, yes. it loses the buoyancy and falls down. And then you can exactly. see a single little tear forming in its eye. Oh. Well, no, you can't, but obviously. No, you. Can. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no. What you were saying? I mean, there is no, but expression. there is not, <laughs> uh, I mean,
0: as I was saying, that there was not a single change in in the expression of the animal because of this is not anthropomorphized, but you know, the it was so
2: laden with empathy there. Um, I was going to say regarding the final episode, which notably is named after geographic location rather than a habitat. Yes, uh, a stop. Which is very a interesting. Lot of interesting. So that up. North America. Yeah, Yeah. Um, which is fair enough. To me, it felt like prehistoric planet so far greatest hits. Um, now that's what I call prehistoric planet, <laughs> basically everything <laughs> rounded up, all all nice, nicely tying it off. And it really, um, I really really hope that they can do this. It's going to be much more difficult because finding, though not impossible, because you know walking dinosaurs basically managed it. They're finding environments that match older ecosystems, they can film against. Is more difficult. Yeah. But I really, really hope that they can tackle a different and yeah, if it's the Mesozoic, it can really only be older (laughs) um ecosystem or fauna somewhere. Because just because I it's such a great show and the the way they've done the Maestriction or thereabouts ish is uh so fantastic that I just want to see it applied to other paleo environments or or time time. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I
1: will say in regards to that, um, When the first series was over, I thought, well, there's so much they haven't done. There's so much they could still do. I really hope uh, they're going to make a second one. Now they've made a second one, and I feel like, okay, I think they've done everything they can do with the Maastrichtian. They've done so much now. They've shown so many animals. They've shown so many different types of behavior. If Prehistoric Planet is going to return, and I hope it does... Then I I hope as you do, Mark, that they are going to oh, yes. a different time,
0: and uh, even if it's an earlier period in the Cretaceous. Yeah,
2: Late Jurassic would be the obvious one, I think.
1: Late Jurassic would, one be that would be obvious. To see, yeah. would be all there, the yeah. classics, well, you know, you know uh, Stegosaurus, you know. Late but, Stegosaurus. But, but, Late Early Early Late Cretaceous would be quite interesting because you could show Iguanodonts, yes. you could show Spinosaurus, you could show Carcharodontosaurus. Oh, Yes, Yes
0: i mean really this i think this is the the prevailing uh wish if you like of, of most uh, audience members that i've been able to see that they would very much love to see uh, other periods tackled um i guess we can only hope yes
2: in conclusion it was a very good series yeah there were a couple of episodes i didn't like as much as the others but that didn't mean they were bad they were still very good just maybe not as extremely good as the others whatever it was all excellent animations amazing uh, behaviors are really well observed. Best dinosaur designs going on, you know, in film or TV by far. But yeah, next time please do a different uh time period because we just really want to see it. Because I'm sure whatever they turn their hand to would be you know, the results would be spectacular. So please, another time period. At least though, it did mean that we got um, T-Rex hunting in this one, which I was clamoring for.
1: Obviously, so many things we haven't mentioned yet. We haven't mentioned the Austroraptors. I quite en- quite enjoyed those. Oh yeah, I could
0: see. Yeah, I know we could we yeah, could just wax lyrical forever. I I I already made a, a joke last time I think about looking a gift horse in the mouth when it's a Pura rata español lucian, so I shan't repeat it. Oh no, wait, I just did. Um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is, um, <laughs> at the risk of sounding like the worst kind of fandom members for whom their beloved franchise is above all criticism, I'm I'm going to say that. I've more than once encountered the phrase, it's not perfect, from folks with regard to this series. And I do understand that it's meant to convey that what criticisms they do have are minor. But to me, inasmuch as anything could be regarded as perfect uh, to a universal degree, the phrase sounds to me redundant and, and it savours somehow of damning with faint praise. Um, you know it's not perfect is what you say to something whose flaws are numerous enough to warrant the mention, as opposed to something in which they are so minor as to be negligible like prehistoric planet is, which is not to say that all constructive uh, criticism is of the cards, but um, n- nevertheless i I do feel very strongly that we are enormously lucky to have got. Um, both series and um, because we, we have been uh, in a desert of good quality uh, documentary for so long and it's like what you said earlier Mark that um, you know, you feel spoiled now <laughs> having had uh, this yeah. delivery this much that you know um, but, but to me I still feel like my god I can't believe we've got it I can't believe we've got something of this quality through and through however much I may gush I do feel perfectly justified in doing so. That's my closing remark. You are. Yeah. You
2: are justified. Nothing's, nothing is perfect.
0: I,
1: I think you are absolutely correct. And to be honest, I find it hard to imagine something better. Exactly. Me too.
0: Now. As the borders of the podcast reopen, I am no less dependent on my fan and smelling salts than the last time I spoke to our guest. We are very happy indeed to welcome the return of paleo artist Gabriel Luggetto, whom I last interviewed back in episode 18. We wanted especially to ask Gabriel then about his work on Prehistoric Planet, but he was still at the time sworn to secrecy, which, dear listeners, isn't speak for a non-disclosure agreement. But this time around. Gabriel is free to speak at last because, as it turns out, his designs were for the animals featured in the second series of Prehistoric Planet, the subject of our foregoing discussion. Gabriel, thank you so much for joining us again and welcome back.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be back. And like I told you last time, I am a huge fan of you and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So I'm super excited to be back and now that I can talk a little bit more and, and, and I must say that I can, t- I can talk a little bit more. I cannot probably talk about everything but I can probably right. talk a, a little bit
0: more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right then well to begin with uh, Gabriel uh, do I understand correctly um, considering all the circumstances that both series were actually worked on concurrently um, and that uh, prehistoric planet two was always planned for release a year after the first.
3: I don't know how much I can say about this, but, All but right. <laughs> to a certain extent, to a certain extent, uh, yes. I mean, I I wasn't sure where my some of my stuff was going to be. Right, I Let's see. Just
0: say that. Oh, okay, no, that, <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. Yes, I did wonder. <laughs> I did wonder whether having after just promised our listeners that you can talk about uh, a, a lot more that that, I went into uh, forbidden territory again with my first question. But <laughs> that's good enough, I think.
3: All right. You know how it is when I have Apple people knocking on my door.
0: <laughs> no, <are> <laughs> I completely understand. Well, um, all right then. Uh, I know that you've already talked a little bit about your designs on social media, but um, just as a reminder for us and for our listeners, would you be able to give us a quick run-through of the animals that you worked on? Yeah, A quick list before we get to the questions proper.
3: Sure. I did Majungasaurus, which yeah. you know, was one of my favorites with this, one of my babies. Um, Excellent. I did Tyrannosaurus. I did Adelatherium. I did... Um, uh, uh, prognathodon, I did prenocephaly I did Tarchia, I did morosaurus, I did um, um, I did the mosasaurs, except mosasaurs, I did um, all the other mosasaurs that appear in season 2 right so um, I did Hesperornis. I did mortonaria, I did the baby velociraptor, I did the baby uh Oh god, I'm blanking on the name of the tyrannosaur. Uh,
0: I'm I'm afraid I'm blanking oh, on it too. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: listen, I, I like I was telling I, you know this is before we started recording the podcast. I was telling Natty that I that I am I didn't sleep well. I am very running under a very <laughs> you know few hours of sleep. So I am I'm working like a zombie today. Oh, I, I also don't... did uh, Matsoya, the snake. Uh, yes, I of did. Course. Um, uh, of Bader also yep. um, yeah so quite a few actually i i was very happy because uh, uh, quite a few of the of the animals that appear in season 2 that were new for season 2 were my designs
0: yes exactly i i was just going to say that i mean that's that's a huge list i mean that's uh, the bulk of the series uh consists yeah. of, of your designs it's just incredible to see and to, um and to find out with, with that list um, in mind, which of these do you think um, have you enjoyed working on the most um, from any perspective, whether that's uh, your own preference or your satisfaction with the result or, or just your experience with the whole process? I mean, I know you you said how fond you are of the Majungasaurus, yeah. for example.
3: Yeah, well, well because as you, uh, you know, people that follow me on social media and stuff might have noticed that I tend to you know, when I choose a, a color pattern or a way of, re- of reconstructing an animal, I tend to stick to it. Yes. And 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 for the designs that I did for this series, you know, in a large part that remained the same. The design that you see for, for Majungasaurus, you know, follows a pattern that I've done for my Majungasaurus mm-hmm. before that and since that. Um, like the Majungasaurus that I did for National Geographic uh, magazine has a similar pattern right and and uh, so for me that it's always like to see them in the series after the wonderful team of c g of the working on the c g i and uh, models was able to translate my design into uh you know to bring it to life in in, in as an as an animal in three d I mean it has a special place in my heart because to see one of your concepts do that way and do so well um so that for me was special so yes the mandrungasaurus has a special place in my heart the same for *Hesperornis*. um oh yes i enjoyed you know doing that one as well because it also follows a design of mine that i've done that i've done before and you know i got the opportunity to reconstruct animals that i've been wanting to do but i haven't been able to do before like cymosuchus yes which was a lot of fun yes and um and it was it was you know it was a wonderful species for me to work on. Yes. Um, the same for the prenocephaly. Actually, for the prenocephaly, we did several versions, um, and the, the ones that, if you see in in the series, they are sexually dimorphic. So you can see that the males have a blue head, and they are like more patterned, and they actually have bristles on the tail. Yes. While the females do not. they're darker but actually to reach that one we did several versions um of prenocephaly and that's the one that we ended up going with and um let me see Adalatherium was also an animal that i hadn't done before that was also a lot of fun to work on yeah um imperobator was fun because how how i tackled imperobator was that diane has done a um like a sketch of what he wanted it to look like Uh with some color so that one he actually did like a first version of it i see um and and i i and i went and i worked on that which is not something that i'm that i usually do because usually I start from i like to start from zero yes like i don't like but the 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 work that darren had done was great and, and and they really wanted to stick to that one and i was like oh yeah that that actually uh, works for me as well, so I put my touches on that one mm-hmm. after, uh, after I work. But the original concept or the original one of the original designs was from Darren, right? In that in that case, okay. he had done also a Morosaurus. He had also done a, an original design for Morosaurus, but I but I did you know change that one a lot, uh-huh. and uh, the the other ones are all just completely from the ground up, you know, and and of course. We, I was working with uh, the basis for my reconstructions were the wonderful skeletal diagrams from uh, Scott Harmon, yes. which are wonderful places to start your, yes, ba- base your work on. Mm. You know, it, it's it's a wonderful... Uh, one of the things that I, I enjoy so much about working on this series is working with an amazing um, team of people, yes. like super talented people. And, and one of the things that I enjoy the most, and I don't think I... I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but one of the things that I enjoyed that I enjoyed the most was that we we had every Friday where we all had, you know, the producers, Darren, and myself. We would have like Zoom meetings, right, where we would discuss the next pieces that I was going to tackle. And then we will go through, you know, what we thought and I will give my opinions and I will give his opinions. And I, will go, and I will tell them, well, you know, I think we should do this this way and I probably should, you know, do this coloration and, and probably we have to change this about the way this, this, you know, like I remember talking about Simon Circus, some of the details that I wanted to change in the morphology of Simon Circus. Mm-hmm. So that for me was a lot of fun yes. because uh, it was it was a way and I not only it was super fun to talk to Darren for a prolonged period of time about how these animals looked and stuff but also to see how the producers wanted to wanted to approach the the um, the way these animals were going to be filmed yes and the sequence how it, what it was going to be about and what they wanted to bring and, and and the back and forth of what we can do and we, we couldn't do was a lot of fun and also a, a very good learning experience for me.
0: Yes. Yes, of course. I mean just in just in episode one alone, there is I mean, your your designs featured in pretty much the bulk of the entire episode. The the Majungasaurus, the Simusukas, the Adalatherium. Um, and and yeah, and when yeah. when the trailers first appeared, um, when we got a first glimpse of Majungasaurus, um, the, this going back to what you said about your uh, consistency in designing uh, the look and coloration of your animals, um, your Majungasaurus pretty much follows what uh, you'd already uh, illustrated of, of the animal. And when images yeah. of of this uh, animal appeared for us, a lot of people um, were really quick to guess that that this. Uh, was your hand (laughs) so i mean that um that's that's, that says a great deal about um the consistency of your design and and how uh, easily recognizable they are
3: well yeah and it makes me happy because i you know i have to tell people that when you know it takes a lot of thought when you are when you're going to reconstruct one of these animals yes i don't choose you know the way i make an animal look Willy nilly, you know, I don't of choose course. the coloration I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna just do this. it. It takes a long time for me to, this, you know, to to think about, you know, what i what this animal could have been doing with that coloration. If that coloration suited for an animal that lived and behaved in a certain way and yes. lived in a certain uh place, mm-hmm. so um that's why I tend to stick to a coloration once I choose it because. I you know I put a lot of thought behind it. Of course. It's not like I just chose it out of the blue. Yeah,
0: yeah, you didn't just decide, oh no, I'm, I'm going to you know do this thing with a blue crest just for the sake of it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, our, I think the the star animal, I think it's safe to say uh, the audience favorite uh, in episode 1 certainly um was also your design the, the cymosuchus, the the pug croc. Um yeah. um uh I mean how uh, how did you how did you approach that one for example i mean i think uh, it's it's such a favorite it's um you no know, aside from being quite convincing and not just um on the part of the the animators but uh, the design itself um how how did you approach this one in particular
3: well i wanted to you know when i thought about about Stamosuchus, i wanted to recall some of the phylogenetic ties that Stamosuchus has being a, you know being uh, related, distantly related to modern crocodilians. Yes, um, but I also wanted to include, you know, the fact that this is an animal with osteoderms, so we could do osteoderm patterns, which are common, actually quite common in the reptile world, not only among crocodilians but among squamates as well. Mm-hmm. And and I always feel that once you do a version of that, which would work in the kind of environment that Timosuchus lived in and the type of behavior that we are um suggesting suggesting it had um once we do a version of a pattern that you see that repeats in in that group of animals over and over and over yes chances are that either cymosucus or a related species had a similar pattern so so i i i, I thought that i that that would work and, and i'm pretty happy with how it came out mm-hmm. you know i, I was Pleasantly surprised when I saw what it would look like doing the show.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think everybody fell in love with it, I think.
3: Yeah, they made it look so nice. I was so happy (laughs) with it.
0: Yes. And um, I mean, I I don't know if you're allowed to to tell us this because it might be uh, out of your remit um, because it concerns less the design and and more the the practical effects. uh part of the of the process but the i was i was completely uh, astonished by just how lifelike the adalatherium um newborns were do you are you able to tell us how they achieved that because i i don't think those were cg uh, models and and i don't think they were puppets um
3: I know nothing about that.
0: You know nothing? <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> right.
3: No, I, I must say I, I don't have anything to do with the baby at the Laterium side. I was as perplexed as everybody else. Uh, Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And even if I knew, I probably wouldn't be able to, shouldn't tell you anything. No, so, no. Um, I
0: expected as much, <laughs> but I thought I would but, ask you I must say,
3: I worked, my design was only for the... Um, adult and yes. they use the same for the juvenile so right. but that it's uh, the the uh, my length of work stays there
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i understand no i did expect as much but i thought you know just i would chance the question all the same because it's no,
3: great though they look wonderful
0: wasn't it just incredible yeah I mean, yes, you'll hear when when the podcast goes out just how much we can um, gush about the series and I particularly because I have absolutely nothing negative to say about it at all. (laughs) I mean,
3: Uh, I must say it was a wonderful experience for me to work on the show. I mean, not only I'm super honoured and proud to have been part of it because not only it's, uh, you know, was a wonderful opportunity for me but also i learned so much that i always value when you know a job has been good when you also not only you know it's a great opportunity and everything but also you learn a lot from it and yes of course i learned from working on this yeah so which which has helped me in since that project, I've been involved in other projects, and that has helped me a lot working on those other projects. So
0: Yes, no, I can easily understand easy, easy, easy. that. Yeah, yes, of course. Well, I mean, uh, you've, you've, again, already anticipated um, part of my next question, which is, um, when speaking about uh, processes, um, for those of us who are unfamiliar with the structure of this kind of film or, or documentary making, um, would you be able to give us an idea of how the process works from initial design uh, to final result? I mean, I know you already mentioned some things like the the meetings that you had, and I think most of us can expect that there'll be a lot of back and forth um, about uh, changes and revisions and, and so on and so forth. With such a vast team, we can expect revisions and feedback from a multitude of quarters, but but can you tell us what, what the extent of it was? I mean, how how grueling were the back and forth, as it were?
3: Well, to be fair, I mean, I don't know if I, I, I don't, I probably cannot or should not go into like super minutiae or detail of no, how no. things are done. But but I, I must say that one of the good things that I enjoy working on the series is because Darren was supervising all the scientific you know, parts of the series. I didn't have to fight back any anybody on anything crazy, right? Right. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it was great because Darren and I were always—I think we were always on the same page on everything. Yes. And so that was a breeze for me. And Darren was supervising, you know, making sure that everybody understood what could be done and what, what couldn't be done, and what are good avenues to go into. And I think Darren and I—we are very similar in the way we think about things. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and the way we tackle reconstructing animals based on fil- of what we know about animals today. Yes. So, in that sense, it was a breeze. I mean, everything that that I proposed uh, was always met with, "Oh yeah, that that works great." And yes, and 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 I and, and you know, and as a concept artist, you always have to know what the sequence is going to be and and so you always you have to wear like two kinds of glasses or hats yes. one hat as a paleo artist yes that, you know you have to adhere to what's possible and what hat as a concept artist and you have to adhere to what it's best for the scene and the sequence or the showing in general uh-huh. so it's your job to merge those two things and make them work together which is not always easy but but it has to be done and i and i and i made sure that no part you know and, and i think Darren did this flawlessly yes. no part of there was no scientific compromises right while still keeping uh, a sense of you know uh, 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 making the show interesting and beautiful yes
0: Yes, I think we can all rest very easily, knowing that Darren is is at the helm, as it were, yeah. regardless of how many other um, non scientific uh, people are involved. So, yeah, that that's good to know. And again, you'd already indicated, I mean, for example, that that most of your designs uh, didn't uh, change a great deal from beginning um, to final result. And mm-hmm. and you already said that that you and Darren, for example, were were on board for the most part. But um, were were there Anything that you felt you had to fight for, for example, I mean, if, if such a thing was at all within your remit, I mean, for example, um, rumor has it that the series wanted to err slightly on the conservative side with regard to the appearance of the animals. I mean, was this the
3: case? Um, but by the time I jumped in, uh, no, I didn't. I don't remember ever having. I mean, I mean, there were a, a few things that I'm not going to talk about that you know normal things, but but it's not anything major honestly it was such an easy wonderful experience it's not you know i couldn't ask for a better experience honestly Oh,
0: that's good to know
3: the the only thing i must say (laughs) is that and that is just me i wanted to do the concept art of um Raptor so bad by the time I was it, it was already done so I was out of luck I mean uh, I think David Kent has already done it and I, was I like, see ah,
0: ah yes I really
3: wanted to work on that one but I didn't it, no, I, I didn't have the chance
0: <laughs> now I can see I can see how much you would have wanted that and 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 I can sort of imagine I think how uh, how that would look I mean yeah <laughs> it would have been it would have been lovely to have seen I know seen... I
3: wanted to but, I, but David david did a wonderful job of course and and, and and i'm super thankful for him because he's one of the people that invited me together with darren to work on the show so i'm super thankful to him and i wanted to get no david already did it i really (laughs) wanted to do the concept (laughs) art for us by the way um you don't get to choose what you what concept you do you know as a concept artist you're just Assigned to things. It's not like I went okay. I want to work on this and that and that. No, that's not how it works.
0: No, no. <laughs> I, I think I think a, a lot of us probably could have expected that. No, but it's worth uh, confirming because I think, um, yeah, I think some audiences might uh, might be under the impression that that one gets to choose, but um, that's not uh, that's not how it works. Um,
3: still, no, not at all. Yeah. I'm, just <laughs> the, I'm just a poor artist at the end of the. Uh, the... At the end of the chain,
0: no, but, but a good one, and and one that, that has so, so so enormous an influence on, on everything else.
3: Well, I must say I'm very happy that they were they were always very open to hear my suggestions, which is all, which is was so nice, uh, such a nice experience to have.
0: Yeah, that's really good to know. I mean it's it's so refreshing, isn't it, to find the 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 series which is so beloved by audiences, not just because it's it's accurate, but because it's it's beautiful and entertaining and it's it's an all round beautiful product. And it's wonderful to know that not only um is that true, but that the 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 team, the creative team um, behind the scenes, um found the experience just as happy because that's not always the case. Um, I think a lot of us know how punishing these things can be. So it's always yes. it's always such a joy, yeah, to hear um, how happy the, the creatives were um, working on it. So that that really is wonderful to know.
3: Yes, yes, it was a really wonderful experience.
0: Mm. Having said all of that, then my my next question um, is probably. Uh, the answer to it is almost too obvious um for questioning, really, but because you've already pretty much said it all. but I was going to say um how how does it feel to see your designs come to life finally? I mean, does it feel surreal at all in addition to to just the delight you you experience at seeing um your animals uh, breathe
3: yes definitely And am I'm, I'm super happy especially because I have had some previous experiences of working on historic Planet where my designs were not translated wonderfully into you know um a 3D model that was in a documentary that I'm not gonna talk about. (laughs) But, But I was quite not I wasn't happy with how that came out. And um so I, you know, was delighted to see my concept art brought into life so beautifully. There was a huge team of super talented people bringing all these concepts into, into life and they deserve all the accolades because they are so, so, so talented.
0: No, I completely agree. And, and was it um, a case of, I mean, did you get to see uh, these animals animated at intervals, for example, before they were fully completed? Or was it all just, um, you didn't see anything until the very end when it all came together?
3: I didn't see any, no, I didn't see, I saw mostly, yeah, very few things until it was created. So I actually found out how some things would look when we got the trailer.
0: I see. Wow.
3: All the things yes. I like a few things I had seen, but, but but only that I saw like like most of the things I saw right at the end, but you know but i was I was already because uh, I had seen how other things had came up had come out i was already I wasn't ner- nervous, you know I knew that of they course. would be translated very you know faithfully and and you yes. know there of course, there are a couple of things that change here and there, like but understandably so like there are some tonal. Uh, slight tonal differences, or some other patterns might be uh, a little bit lighter in the uh, how yes. they appear in the show that what I originally did, but but that's yes. to be expected, and it's nothing major.
0: No, of course. I mean the the prenocephaly, for example. I mean that's a good one because um, your original designs, um, I think the 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 markings, the coloration is uh, considerably stronger than they appeared in the final sequences. I think.
3: Yeah, yeah, but that's to be expected because you have to understand that these animals what those models are covering dirt and everything oh, so it's, of course it's, you are seeing them as, as as you would see an animal in life
0: yeah of course
3: and the people of P- npc the people of npc did a magnificent job i have nothing but to say uh about what they did either in the way they made their models look nor the animation both things look amazing
0: mm, yes i mean that must it must be incredible to to not even have uh an inkling of what they're going to be you don't get you did like you said you didn't see the animations at at any intervals and you just saw them uh living and breathing at the very end when when the trailers appeared so that, i think that must that must have uh just um increased um just that, that how amazing it must have felt,
3: surely. Oh, definitely. I, and I felt, like I told you, I felt like some of with with all of them, but particularly some of them, they were like my babies. You know, it's like, oh, look <laughs> yes. at it! Like, it's like you're seeing, you're seeing your design moving and, and breathing, and it's just an amazing experience. I it's, that was wonderful. Yeah. No,
0: I can I can easily imagine that. Goodness, um, Gable, is there anything else that you particularly wanted uh, to tell us? about working on the series.
3: I mean, other than that, like what I said before, that I am I am super proud and honored to be part of the amazing team of, of that put the series together and that it's a, a, a wonderful time to be a paleo artist and to be part of this. Uh, yes. Such an amazing groundbreaking series. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's you know, like it's been an honor, honestly. It's been an honor, and it's one of the best experiences, experiences in my life to oh, be part of this show.
0: I can I can easily imagine that, and I think um, I, over a year ago, before we, the the first series aired, I think I probably wouldn't have uh, imagined um, uh, your or anyone saying this at all about um, how this is a wonderful time to be a paleo artist, because up until then, I think. Um, I think a lot of us, or at least speaking for myself, we uh, we a lot of us felt jaded about the appearance, uh, or the scarcity rather, of paleo media that was satisfactory, or that um, that succeeded on as many levels as Prehistoric Planet did. And I think at more than a year ago, I wouldn't have, yeah, I I never would have imagined uh, saying this or or hearing you say it. But um, when I interviewed um, Cameron, uh, who, who of course is one of the animators on on the series as well, and and he said that he felt. Um, that paleo media was on the right path that he felt very optimistic for it i, I would not have imagined myself feeling the same uh, truthfully mm-hmm. but yeah but because uh, he and you and everybody else were quietly sitting on this <laughs> um, throughout all this time so you've seen all of that come to beautiful fruition and yes i really do think i really do agree now that um it is a wonderful time to be a paleo artist working
3: in this media. Yeah, and and we and we we know now that there are other projects coming also. Ex- like, uh, yes, yes, of course. The some Netflix, and so there are there are other things uh, that are, that have been sparked. Um, likely, at least in at least in some part, because of the success of Prehistoric Planet season one.
0: Yeah, I mean this does promise very well for the future of paleo media. I think. Well, it's very heartening to yeah. know. Well, um, I, I don't think there is much else in that case. Um, just, I think, um, certainly I and, and others at the um really look forward to seeing more of this nature. And um, hopefully, uh, you won't be able to tell us this, but <laughs> hopefully, no. that, hopefully there's going to be another series, perhaps?
3: I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Nor
0: deny, me. of course. No, no. That's to be expected. Well, we can hope. Well, we'll just sit tight and see then in that case.
3: I, 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 yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, like I said, there are, other, there are other things coming as well. Oh, yes. There
0: are other things besides prehistoric planet, and, and that will be very much looked forward to, I'm sure. Yes. Well, Gabriel... It's been, once again, such a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, your Chasmusorce passport is stamped once more very happily by us all. Thank you again so much for your
3: time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And like I said, I am super happy and super honored to be back. I treasure my my stamped passport (laughs) (laughs) very, very, you know, very much so. Wonderful.
0: Thank you, Cameron.
3: Bye. Thank you for having me.
1: So, yeah, uh, uh, thank you uh, for the interview, Gabriel. Um, Nati, I think you did a very good job with that. Thank you. Most of the work was Gabriel's, of course.
2: May I say thank you, Gabriel. Haven't heard it yet. Sorry to spoil the editing magic, but we are recording this before the episodes come out. I haven't heard it, but I'm really looking forward to listening to it. And yes, thank you for agreeing to do the interview with Nati. thank you very much.
1: I think we've said everything we we were going to about uh, about the show. There
2: was one thing I wanted to mention ahead of the news and didn't get to say it. I was going to say, "Happy thirtieth anniversary to the original Super Mario Brothers movie with its amazing dinosaur effects." Happy thirtieth, you know, to Super Mario Brothers.
1: Oh, are there, are there dinosaurs in that? <laughs> yeah, kind of.
2: Well, there are. I mean, Yoshi is rendered as some kind of ugly brown <laughs> thing. Really? Um, yeah, and, and Bowser's always meant to be or king cooper is meant to be a highly evolved t-rex and then they do evolve from it something that's closer to a dinosaur i have
1: never seen it
2: i I, i've seen it once and i've seen the old clips here and there yeah i know enough about it i've probably watched too many youtube shows about old movies um but yeah it's they go to dino hatton and through through like a yes it's dino yes i get it, it doesn't yeah, make any I sense there, as, a, yeah. as a
1: pun but um no it's yeah, manhattan but instead of men you have dino yeah i get it yeah uh-huh. yeah i mean it's not
2: where the word manhattan uh-huh. comes from Shh. i think the um i think the pitch meeting video points it out but yeah it's it has got dinosaurs in it so yeah happy 30 anniversary to mario brothers yes. film happy, cult favorite
1: happy anniversary and and i hope uh the uh The the new movie with, uh, you know, that guy from Jurassic World does right by the old movie.
0: You're um, you're not going to mention. (laughs) It's completely unrelated. You're not going to mention another anniversary of another uh, particular uh, landmark, cultural landmark. Are you? No, we've done. We've done
1: land before time.
0: Oh no, no, not that Uh. one. The one that inevitably gets. (laughs) Which one do you mean, (laughs) Nitty? Which one could I
2: mean? Goodness me, what a mystery. We didn't say the magic word, Nati. We didn't uh, say uh, the
0: magic word. We spared we didn't say the magic word.
2: <laughs> we've, uh. we've,
0: we've
1: cut corners at every opportunity.
0: Anyway, make of that what you will, dear listeners.
1: Yes. I think there is an article on the blog right now about those, uh, about those cards that were produced before the movie Yeah, the collector was. cards. Yeah. There is. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am
2: responsible. Some, some nice artwork on there. Uh, they, so they are very different.
0: beautiful artworks actually yes so the dinosaurs look better than they do yeah. arguably even in the film
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: in terms of actually being good paleo arts so i'm not anybody who said this well uh, there you go uh guys it's good to be back yeah it is indeed yeah yes. we haven't done this in a while uh but uh you know my plan is to to keep it going again we've uh we've had some rest we've had a few months off this is the 25th episode I think we probably had a worthy subject of discussion for uh, such a landmark oh, episode. I believe so. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, here's to the next 25. <laughs> here's to the next 25.
0: <laughs> here's to that. Good God, I'm gasping in the background. What? Oh <clears throat> the smelling salts. Yeah. Oh, because. the smelling salts. And the fan. Oh. <laughs> if you please, that's my reticule. Because, that's
1: just because you interviewed Gabrielle.
2: I must retire.
1: Yes.
0: Yes, it, it is all of those reasons, but that chief of all. I must go. Oh. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> yes, thank you ever so much. And uh, <laughs> pr- pray we don't have to interview Julio <laughs> Lacerda next time. Oh, good God. Help. <laughs> the very thought.
0: I, my fainting couch, this instant, I beg leave to retire. <laughs> good night, gentlemen.
1: Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to Love in the Time of Casmosource. Your hosts were Nati Himapan, Mark Vincent, and me, Niels Haasborg. You can find all links and images we discussed today on our blog at chasmosaurs.com. You can find us on Twitter at Casmosource and on Facebook at Love in the Time of Chasmosaurs. If you want to give us your support, please give us a comment or a good review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also support us at patreon.com L-I-T-C. Our music is by Rohan Long, who can be found at bronzewing.bandcamp.com. Stay safe, look after each other, and we hope to see you again soon.